In this episode of the 37 Signals podcast, we're going to talk to two members of our support team. I'm uh, Kieran Max Weber. I'm support manager. I'm Sarah Hatter. I'm senior support person. Should be noted that Michael Berger, the other member of the support team, was actually out of town when we taped this conversation, so he was unable to participate. Uh, to start off with, I asked the support team about the number of requests they handle every day. I think right now we're averaging around 175 um, original tickets a day, and each of those gets between two and three responses to us. So, you know, we're individually sending over 100 emails every single day to customers. It's pretty high. And what's, uh, what's the turnaround time in general for support requests? Between the hours of 8 and 5 Central Standard Time when we do the most work, our average turnaround time is 48 minutes for a ticket to be opened and closed which is awesome. But we also don't work 24 hours. We don't really work on the weekends too much. So there's a little bit to be desired in that area. And what's the rotation like between who's on and who's off? How does that work? Is there always someone on during business hours? Yeah, so Sarah starts around 7 o'clock in the morning central time, and she'll uh, go through sort of a first pass of our uh, our tickets, sort of getting rid of spam and um, taking care of the, uh, the immediate issues, any kind of login issues or... Uh, can't access an account kind of issue um, and then she'll sort of triage those emails out to Michael and I. Michael starts around, I don't know, 8.39 mm-hmm. and I'm on around 8 o'clock or so. We call it triage because it's much like the show MASH where all of a sudden the wounded are coming in <laughs> to get them on the helicopters but that's kind of how we determine the level of priority for what we reply to because some things are way more urgent than others. And what are the pros and cons of doing an email-only support operation? Hmm. <laughs> Let's see. Well, the pros are, and I'm, I'm a big believer in that email support can be done very well and very effectively. The pros are that customers have written documentation that they can always refer back to. You can't have that when you're on a phone. You're furiously kind of like writing down names and notes and, and what to do. Secondly, we also have great documentation online, like our help sections and our tours, and we can send people those links that they can go through on their own time. Whereas if you're on the phone with someone, you can't, you know, spell out a link to them. That's It's very difficult to do. So secondly, we think that, you know, people sometimes get a little panicky on the phone or they want to, when they have an issue, regardless of how minor it is, they want to pick up the phone, they want to call someone, they want to just kind of vent and doing email support helps us give them really direct instructions that they can take with them, that they can send to their team. And there isn't like someone waiting on hold. There isn't a million phone ringings that we have to, we have to worry about getting them off the phone as quickly as possible to take another call. We're allowed this kind of time with them that is very helpful to resolving issues. And that could also be a con too. So some people, and I don't know if this is generational or whatnot, but a lot of people will want phone support. So we're trying to give really sort of clear and um, concise uh, help to our customers. Um, and even the shortest response, uh, sometimes people sort of don't want to read through um, and they they just want to go to back to that sort of comfortable traditional way of support, which is phone. So it sort of can work can work both ways that's definitely a con of of email only and there's always going to be people that just don't want to do business with you unless you offer phone support which is very limiting Mm -hmm. i think in their regard like they're cutting themselves out of a lot of opportunities with companies that may not be able to offer support but it's kind of a struggle for us to to reach those people very effectively through our first initial contact with them so they know that this can work we can actually do it very well and they can really be happy and get their issue resolved over email 
surprises a lot of people. But mm-hmm. and Kiran, you're fresh to the team. Uh, where where did you come from? Um, so yep, fresh to the team. I think this will be my third week here. Um, yeah, week three. Week three, yes. So um, really dropped into the fire there. But. <laughs> yeah, quick, quick background. I went to school at Northeastern in Boston, did graphic design, um, started out uh, working for my father, doing some pre-press work um, in the screen printing industry, went on to AIGA, did some project management there, left to go to Apple, worked at Soho in New York City, and then uh, the Fifth Avenue store as a Mac Genius and then lead Mac Genius. Uh, then went on to a local company here in Chicago called Forget Computers, doing um, support for Mac-based design companies, which is pretty much everyone. And then came over here to uh, 37 Signals. My first introduction to the product was Basecamp in 2004 at AIGA to manage those products. And how does, say, doing support in the real world at an Apple store compare to providing support to 37 Signals customers? You know, I, I, and I always, I think I repeat myself too many times or share too many stories about my experiences at Apple, but um, I use pretty much what they kind of taught us um, every day. They, they spend as much time sort of marketing uh, internally or training internally as they do externally in terms of their brand. Um, so they were really good in teaching a lot about expectations and um, sort of feed, giving feedback to both to customers and to employees. Um, and, and that sort of thing. So I've used it every day, um, even though I'm not working with a physical machine or working with someone in front of me. Um, but, but the things I've learned there definitely carry over to an email-only uh, support thing for web-based software. And having come freshly to the support team here, uh, where are you hoping to take things or where do you see room for growth or improvement or, or how can we build a stronger support department? Well, I think a lot of people look at 37 Signals uh, for, you know, first of all, for the sort of the business part of things, um, whether, whether or not that's the right term, uh, the design uh, aspect, as well as obviously the programming aspect from, from David. So we really want to take support to be that, that next uh, sort of fourth pillar of 37 Signals. We want uh, it to be, uh, I think, a support group known for uh, web-based software and to support in general sort of customer advocacy that people really can can look at as a, as a model industry, just like you know Zappos and Disney, and those sort of companies. And I'm sure Sarah can talk about that a bit more. Absolutely. I mean, that's our goal. Our goal is like we really feel like we are very well known for our aesthetic as far as our product design, and obviously, there's the way that the company is run is a model to many companies. And there's a great market out there for people who need inspiration and in little things. And one of those things is customer support. There's no like customer support school that you can go to when you when you start your web-based product or when you build an iPhone app or when you, you know, create an add-on that people are using on their Macs. Like there's no there's nothing that te- trains you and teaches you how to respond to a volume of customer complaints, how to respond to feedback or, you know, feature requests. And so we have a great experience in that. The number of emails we we went back and forth with in our with our customers is in the hundreds of thousands over the past 5 years. And four of those years, I've been doing it. So, you know, I've I've come back from that with a lot of experience. With this is this is stuff people need to know. So, so let's say we were starting a customer support school. What do you think yeah. we would we would teach people? What what do you what do you think people out there need to know? What do you think they need to know? Well, I think that people need to know how to respond to upset people, confused people, and how to talk to them in their own language and without being technical and without being um, 
sort of, uh, what's the word, abrasive in, in the technicality of their language. I also think that people need to have a better understanding of parameters when it comes to the customer support that you offer. So I had a friend or a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend who started this web web company and he sent me an email and he was saying, you know, I just started this email and or this this program and I'm not sure what I should do with it because I get customer emails all the time and I'm answering them all the time and I'm answering them at 6 p.m. and then I get an email at 10 o'clock and we used to do that at 37 Signals. When I started, we we got had an email address posted on a website for people to write us an email if they had trouble and we would get emails all day long and there was no parameter of we answer questions from this time to this time and we need this information from you and this is very important when you write us so that we can get back to you with a resolution and you know people need to learn that they can't just plaster an email address on a contact page and expect that that's going to be that people are going to contact them that they're actually going to pursue help that they're actually going to get a resolution from it so that's probably the number one thing. And, and then learning how to respond very clearly and articulately and calmly when people are rude and upset and angry. A phone number to call. Exactly. You gotta understand that they're not angry with you or your product. They're not an angry at some inanimate thing. They're angry because of a series of events that are happening and this is all kind of spiraling into this I can't make a to do list. I, I think people are also <laughs> conditioned by support in a lot of it. A lot of other areas of life that, unless you're angry, you're not going to get help. And, Very much and so. Being yeah, a squeaky wheel. We Very were just much so. we were just discussing that with like the high rise app. Uh, someone was uh, asking a certain question, and we kind of concluded that you know people that are sort of uh, I don't want to say brought up in sort of a, a corporate environment, but they're typically um, their experience is that they get a computer sort of assigned to them. Right. Uh, they can't sort of touch anything, and if they break something, they sort of broke something and need to call IT. Um, where this sort of new generation of both products and support is really just, you know, download the app, it's free, install it on your phone, and then try it out. So We have a situation every single day where someone writes us an email essentially kicking down our doors. You know, I'm angry, this is terrible, you're a horrible company, this is broken. And we reply to them within minutes and we say, I'm really sorry you're having trouble, here's what you can do to fix it. And they write back to us and they're surprised. 48 minutes. <laughs> Number yeah. one, that we wrote them back. They, people always comment on the speed and they always kind of are just shocked that we got it right and it's done and here's the answer. doesn't happen all the time, I wish it did. There are some people, some issues that we need more detail for or we can't make a resolution for, but it's... It's, it's funny to see how many people come at us very aggressively because, like you're saying, they're conditioned to having to deal with, like, AT&T support or call a phone bank and get someone in India or whatever experience they've had. They think that they have to really shake their fist to get a, a good answer. And, you know, we hope that people can learn that our reputation is you're going to get a good answer regardless of you know, how you treat us. Right. So. And I think 37 Signals is a com- company... Um, and this might be the wrong word, sort of holistic, but I think that if we continue to, to build our products the way we've been building them, sort of simple but powerful, um, if we continue, and Sarah our, and I and Michael are going to work on this, on making our documentation sort of rich with clear, concise writing right. and imagery, um, and then sort of that last line of defense of really prompt and sort of personal uh, responses, um, that's definitely going to lead support. and, and you know, Absolutely. And what are the tools you guys are using? I know we started off on Gmail originally Gmail. and then Gmail. moved up to Zendesk. And I'm just we had to stop what? using Gmail because we were probably the only people in history who filled up an entire Gmail account and had to start a new one. <laughs> we actually used all of our space in our Gmail account over four years. But now we're actually using a real support tool made for people who do this job called Zendesk. 
and it's a uh, fun tool made by Rail Shop, and they're good people. And you know, we use that. We all use obviously Apple computers, and we use Campfire exclusively during the day to communicate, um, which is also how we handle issues with our programmer because we do have a, a programmer who's elected to be on call and support for two months or three months at a time, and they work with us on the issues that we present to them instead of having us to kind of flag down anyone who's available to fix something. Right, so if something comes in and it's sort of definitely broken, you know, we can just hand it off to them and they'll look into it right away and get a resolution as quickly as possible. Right. Um, let's talk about for people seeking support. What advice would you give them, tips for how to get good responses or good give support answers? Give us details. Details. Yeah. Details. Really clear uh, question, sort of like, right. instead of like, I can't walk. You know, say, like, my shoe's untied or something. Or we get a lot of can't log in. That's all it says. The entire thing is just can't log in. And we have to do this a lot of this, you know, digging for information. And we understand that there's a threshold where people are kind of like, you know, (laughs) all they want is a resolution. All they want is for you to fix the problem. We get that. That's what we're here for. Unfortunately, we sometimes have to get more information from people. So maybe understanding that when we're asking for details, it's for a really specific reason. We really need it. It's right. very important. Um, or, or they're not, you know, as sort of, you know, technical or geeky or, or haven't been sort of in this industry around computers a lot. So, you know, they, they just, it doesn't dawn on them maybe, or they don't understand just to, that that'll help them get a, get an answer really quickly. Right. And that is something that's evolved over time where it was just an email at first to then there was a form now asking a people form. questions and then that's right. evolved to be more specific to try to, exactly. to make that back and forth. It seems like that's a pain point for you guys when there's a lot of back and forth up front even to well, just Well, it's a pain point for us problem. because it's a pain point for our customer. I mean, no one wants to spend six, seven emails back and forth with someone who's asking you for more details and you're like, ah, you know, like Kathy, the cartoon character, you know, pulling your hair out. People don't want to do that. And for us, we understand that people don't want to do that so that's where we're aggravated when we have to do that you know but sometimes you can't avoid it and that's that's yeah, the sucky part and sometimes it's almost it's it's frustrating because maybe the answer is even in that first reply right but they don't even expect that so right. they expect it to go back and forth a lot or they don't think it can be resolved that quick right and exactly then the, and then the sixth reply it actually was that answer or just a modification of that answer yeah. so uh one thing I would suggest, if you're ever going to write a support person and they and they write you back and you think it's not the right answer, probably avoid saying something to them like, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> because we really do understand what people are saying off the bat, and if we don't, we'll ask. And so I think that's like what Kiran is saying. People glaze over the information we've given them because they just assume that it's not right or that we didn't listen or we... We responded too quickly for that to be the right answer. Yeah, they're just conditioned to not getting the right answer right. or getting slow support. Yeah. Overall, I mean, we have a really we have a really fantastic set of customers, and I I I think a lot of people who do email based support would be very envious of the kind of customers we have because they're overall very kind. They're very loyal. They love our products and they want to tell us it. And if they're reporting something to us that's broken, it's because they really like our products and they want it to work. You know. If they have a feature request idea, it's because they want to keep using our products. I mean, that's hard to find in the majority. So Now, and 37 Signals is a company that's noted in a way for saying no to yeah. feature requests. How do you take a philosophy like that and and spin it or let people know that it's not, you know, coming from a negative place, but in order to, you know, make products that are 
you know, hopefully going to be simple to use and easy for people. And we, a lot of it's honesty. A lot of it is honesty. We used to be bad at that, and we do have a reputation that some people expect us to say no by default, which we do. Um, but for years, we were kind of shelling out these like stock answers when people would write us feature requests that were just ridiculous or out of the blue or left field or some that were really valid and maybe we could really do it. The thing is we were just saying no, we were just saying no because we wanted to keep constraints on our development. And we would reply to people, thanks for the feedback on the, you know, love Sarah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or great idea, your friend 37 signals. And it just became so repetitive and kind of decided like, you know, we really should be listening to these. Like we really should be taking these into account. And from there, like having that standpoint of let's decide to really be honest with people and really say if we want to if we if we're going to look into this we're going to look into this and then take it to someone and actually look into it not just tell the customer we're doing that if we're not going to look into it we tell them thanks for the idea but dot 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 right. and we construct a way of saying like we're not going to put Gantt charts in that we're never going to put Gantt charts in Basecamp we explain that the majority of our customers aren't going to find that same usefulness that you do. So right now we're going to pass. Or we say something. How, how do people respond to that? Very rarely do people actually ever respond when we say no. Um, the people who are really passionate, though, about their feature requests are like power users. People who are using Basecamp for 80 projects. People who have been using it for four years, you know. So for them, it's hard because you don't want to say no to them. They're loyal customers. I mean, they have a relationship with the product yeah, that they use every day. They've got great ideas. And yeah, it could really work. But... If we said yes to everything, I mean, it just would just be, yeah. it would just not be Basecamp. And it's also hard when people are, we find a lot of people come from these backgrounds where they're using SharePoint or they're using any other internal system and they're, they move to Basecamp because it's different, but then they ask you for the features that are in these products that they just left. So we kind of have to identify that for them and explain mm -hmm. that this is what makes Basecamp different is that it doesn't have X. This is why High Rise is not Salesforce because it doesn't do X, and that is a it, you know is telling for people. I think they understand a little bit more where our stance is after getting an email like that. How often are you using canned responses versus you know typing to each individual that's responding? We don't use canned responses very much. We use um, Text Expander, which is a tool that kind of it's like a you know Microsoft Word macro keyboard shortcut or something. Right. We use them as the base of our emails that we write. So like our email signatures are that. Or you know I say something all day long. Here's detailed instructions from our help section. Like <laughs> that's that's a shortcut. You know, but yeah. So it's sort of like little snippets that'll sort of pepper a personalized response to people. Right. But we very rarely write something that's just a script. Script send. Every you know. single issue and request is read and parsed and right. responded to. Unless we have like 80 people responding to something that's down, some downtime that mm -hmm. we're aware of, we send them a, a very static like check our help section or check our status page or Twitter so we can very quickly reply to people. Because if something goes wrong, we're like the floodgates open of emails and you can't be sitting there constructing a personal email to every single person in like the course of two minutes. But And what's the relationship between support and the answers, the customer forums that we have for people to get responses is that some, are you ever pointing people to there do you feel like yes. that's a helpful thing yes it like is a supplemental tool or it is a lot, a lot of people you know, one example is that the construction company will write us and say you know how could i you know run my construction company my engineering company do you guys have any other customers that do similar things um and we can sort of maybe pull up 
something that was on the product blog and then also have them hook up with other customers on answers to see if uh, people have very specific right. or you know similar use cases. I mean, our customer forums are meant to be a place where customers exactly that, can right. communicate to each other, not just to us and not just asking us questions. We don't typically go to answers first because for us, the first priority is people emailing us for support. But we always have a staff member checking answers and directing them to support if they post something that's obviously needs to be a support request. I think in the future, answers will be evolve a bit more to be more customer to customer. Right now, I, I, I don't know if it's, if it's at that place right now, but it is a great resource for customers to be in there reading stuff and connecting with other people. We just have to encourage them to do that more. And how about from the outside world? Are there any support stories that you have from, from your lives of, of times where you've been experienced really great customer support or terrible customer support or, and, and it had an impact on you? I think, you know, I really think that I was destined to do this job because of my terrible customer experiences for my entire life. I'm an absolute magnet for the worst experiences that anyone could have in life, and they're all a blur. But I really think that it it's all just destiny for me to learn how to do this job better. Yeah, I agree with Sarah. My, my first job that I wanted to do was uh, to be an ambulance driver and pick up dead people off the ground and fix them. <laughs> so I always had That's close some, to what you yes, do now. <laughs> some sort of path to, to doing this sort of um, sort of customer advocacy. Um, and we just want the support group here um, when, when people come to 37 Signals because they want a really fast product because they really want a reliable product, um, because they want to um, you know, engage in stuff like rework, uh, we want them also to come here because they know that the support is really great. Right, absolutely. Uh, just like you're, you're gonna go buy an Apple product because of Apple Care, you're gonna go to Mercedes because of some sort of agreement they have or, right. or whatnot, or go to Disney because of the experience. So we want that to be a deciding factor almost if, if there aren't enough already. I think we're uh, both, we, you know, we both are so kind of involved in this that we do have our own sort of uh, inspirations in the support world. Disney is a big one of mine. I'm a big Disney person and I really, their customer service and their, the way that they handle customer anything is amazingly detailed. And I find that that's so lacking in the normal world out there when you're, you know, you have an issue with Amazon or AT&T or whomever, you don't get the attention to detail that you get. But that came because Disney spent years and years cultivating this support service kind of atmosphere. They've written books on it. I mean, it's a huge thing. So Zappos is the same way. Like They cultivated this culture of service and it's rare to find that, at, but those are probably my top two, I think, inspirations in the support world. And that'll wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, as always, you can go to 37signals.com slash podcast to find related links for the episodes and transcripts and an archive of all the previous episodes. We'll see you next time.